Welcome to Nintendo Dispatch, your weekly Nintendo podcast covering all things from the world of Nintendo. I'm Christina. I'm James. And I am Michael. Oh my goodness, everybody. How is everyone doing? It's beautiful. <laughs> good. We're doing good. good. <laughs> okay, that's good. Um, well, at first, I, before we start the podcast, I need to thank you two. Well, I think you should do that well, every you're podcast, welcome. to be yeah. honest. <laughs> Both Michael and Christina were um, beta testers for an application I've been building for a while. And Michael said, you know, you should self-promote on the podcast. I said I wasn't going to. And then Michael just said, just flaunt it. He's like, you know, you just got do him, it. Got to um, flex once in a while. You ha- every every on occasion. Um, just yeah. like um, just like Mac on my island. He's always flexing around the island. He's like, hey, guys, pump up <laughs> some steel, bro. Uh, anyways, I, I built an app um, with... With uh, the help of many of my friends that were testing it um, and a few people from the community that helped port some code over. Uh, but the app is live. It's for Animal Crossing. It's called Island Tracker. You can go to islandtracker.app or you can search for Island Tracker on your favorite app store, Google or Apple. And, and this app is really cool. So um, the application is for Animal Crossing, but it's to help you track turnip prices on your island and help you be more effective when you're buying your turnips. And the biggest selling point of this application is that, of course, you get predictions, you can see your ups and downs, how much money you'd make. But the biggest part is that you can share your turnip prices and see the turnip prices of your friends. So this morning, I opened up my application. I'm at 98. I hit sync. I entered it, went to my friends tab, and boom, I saw Rustica was at 90. I pinged, you know, Rustica, and I was like, hey, you know, you got a Dodo code, open up the gates, and then bingo, bango, I just bought, you know, 360,000 worth of turnips with a calculator built into the application to tell me how many bells I need to take out, which is very nifty. And that's a feature request of uh, Mr. Michael on the podcast. And it's really fun. So I think it's a great application. Um, it's $2.99. So you got to go and you got to get it. You got to go. We got to go give the monies um, if you want to do it. But, you know, might have sales. If there's, like, Whenever there's something happening in the game, I might do a sale in, in the store or something like that. But it's $2.99. Mm. Not a big ask for you to make millions of dollars in turnips. But you don't have to ask me if it's good. Why don't you ask the amazing beta testers that use the application? I just used it this morning. It was great. <laughs> yeah, as did I. And, and I think you're absolutely right, Mods. For and, and we don't get anything f- for this, you know, to to champion your app. But I think it's just uh, super useful. We've been using it for I think a couple, couple weeks now, where mm-hmm. we're putting in our prices, and it's nice to go on. And just see quickly who's got a good price, and then you can you can message them and just say, "Hey, is there a chance I can get over to your island and sell off my my crop?" Um, and I, I think that's the biggest reason. I think a lot of people can find some sort of turnip tracking, but the fact that you can very quickly see what others that you know your friends have for prices that was something we kind of kept having issues with where every morning you're checking your prices and then you're sending out a text to everybody here's my price and then some people are like mm-hmm. oh I'll get in a minute and it's just kind of like this weird hiccup in the process of selling turnips that now very quickly you can see what it is you don't have to contact anybody right away until you can see oh well so and so i've seen them all becca's got a great price Mots has an okay price christina's price is not good mine is not very good so i'm going to find one of these guys and go sell my turnips and that that's key that's a huge huge factor in all of it i think it's absolutely worth it and especially for like you said the three dollars I'm gonna. I'm a. I'm a billionaire now. Very much in response to this app. I'm. I'm so wealthy 
in yeah. Animal Crossing. <laughs> that, that's my goal um, is make everybody wealthy on it. No, it's been it's been fun too to to see it. And a lot of people that were beta testing actually upgraded and bought the full version. That's pretty high praise. So um, yeah, I it's just very good. Mine. Just oh my now. goodness. Wow. That's <laughs> yep. amazing. And it actually upgrades somehow. So that's good. Nice push out an update this morning. It's cool too. All I will automatic. say, I will say this is, um, thanks Apple. Thanks for a keychain. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say the one thing that's really nice is I also add into the application. You can not only just see what people are buying and what their sell prices are in the morning and afternoon, but you can also see their prediction. So for instance, I can see that, you know, Rustica, she's you know, between 36 and 540. And as, and as the week goes on, she keeps entering her turnip prices that'll fine tune and she might have a huge spike or maybe not. So that's great because I can, you know, basically keep bugging her and making sure Mm -hmm. she updates it. It's fun to watch people basically by Thursday, everyone sold their turnip prices. So nobody tracks them anymore. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) but there's a few people that I like, I was like, Oh my goodness, I might have a huge spike on like Saturday, which is kind of banana. So, um, it's, it's quite good. So there you go. It's two ninety nine. If you think it's um, worth your worth your while, I would love your feedback on the application too. But islandtracker.app. Um, it's cool. Congratulations, buddy. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and congratulations to Nintendo because not only did they make a game in which I can make an app for, but they also sold five fifty five point seven seven million units of the Nintendo Switch worldwide. It's fi- it's fiscal season right now. Everyone's releasing their fiscal reports. And that is a kind of our favorite time here on the dispatch because we get to see the insights of what's happening in the world of the Switch and the Switch Lite and the game sales too. So what's really cool is in the last um, year, so their fiscal year is between uh, April 1st and March 31st. So between 2019 and 2020 of, of, of April to, to March. Um, they sold 21.03 million switches, which is pretty awesome. And that's bringing their lifetime up to 55.77 for a little comparison analysis that is um, surpassing the SNES, which sold uh, 49.10 million uh, global. And um, it's closing in on the NES, which was only at 60, about 62 million. Um, and it's halfway away now from a total Wii sales. So it is Nintendo's third best selling. Nintendo console ever, which is fantastic. Um, and to put some other cool numbers into perspective is that this was a big increase. So they're up 24% year over year, which is ginormous. This is not including April, 2020 mm-hmm. either, uh, March and April, I'm assuming are, are, are bonkers for them. Um, but it does put, um, um, them up over that 55.77 million number. And of that, over 6.2 million of those were switch lights, which I think is really amazing. I thought that's uh, mm-hmm. great. Um, and I'm assuming that number will rise because it was all that was left in stores. So, um, and that's all that you can really get now on the software side of things. Um, they, um, they were up 168.72 million units. That's a 42.3% increase. That is crazy. That's a huge, yeah. um, and also, um, animal crossing obviously had huge sales. So that's really good. And, um, yeah, I mean, they say that, you know, their, their, uh, COVID-19 had limited impact on this fiscal year. It's mostly just cost, um, you know, different delays and shipments and stuff. So they could have even sold more, I think that yeah. is for sure, but doing great. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, uh, what toll this takes on the next, uh, fiscal year, I guess. That's when we'll really see the impact of COVID-19 happening. We got, uh, some, some information about their digital sales, 
with that fiscal year earnings report. And these are also through the roof. So the digital sales reach $1.92 billion, and that is 71.8% increase from last year. Now, what I'm saying is I wonder, you know, with the physical what are we going to see with digital due to COVID-19? I bet you we could see those numbers kind of go even more beyond this, mm-hmm. which would be amazing. But 71% last year, digital sales went through the roof. I love that personally because I'm I'm a digital fan. <laughs> That's what I always want. So I love seeing that it's doing so well because it's just where it's going, I believe. And I like not having to switch through these physical cartridges, so I'm excited for it. Nintendo actually said that the digital success was due to strong sales of downloadable versions of packaged software for Nintendo, the steady growth in sales of download-only software, and add-on content. All of that contributed to this big, huge boost. They also gave some information about the mobile business, and that did very well. It reached $47.9 million, which was an 11.5 increase from the previous year. And a lot of that was due to Mario Kart Tour. They said that was the mm-hmm. biggest booster to their number this time around. I'm curious to see how this is going to change again for next year. So we have the physical impact that COVID-19 is going to have on those, on those games. Digital, I think, will go up, but that Nintendo really hasn't said a whole lot about mobile moving forward. The, you know, we've got the games that are there, but they haven't really given us new games to talk about. So I'm, I'm my prediction is if there's nothing coming out for that, we're going to see the mobile sort of stay stagnant or stay where it is. I don't know if we'll see a huge increase, but I do think digital is going to take another jump for next year. Mm-hmm. I, I, what I found really fascinating about this report is that they broke down their downloaded versions of package software versus download only software mm-hmm. and it was like 70 to 30 of the physical versions which makes sense because they don't release a lot of digital only it's really dlc um, that means definitely the dlc did well but then i was thinking it would be amazing if nintendo released how many h- how many games were sold digitally all up like yeah. between not just Nintendo, but like they know the number of, you know, how many games, like we have a hundred games that sold um, 10 million copies or whatever, right? Like mm. that would be amazing just to say like, here's the number of games sold in the last, because that number has to be soaring, right? Even if it was an increase, yeah. like, oh, you know, the actual digital downloads on the Nintendo Switch are up 5,000%, you know, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that brings us to our little tiny bit of Animal Crossing news this week. We don't really have a whole section, which is surprising. <laughs> like all the yeah, other it is surprising. Week. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're just going to talk a little bit about the Animal Crossing sales that have happened. So big, big numbers. In the first 11 days of Animal Crossing being out, they shipped 11 million copies. So that's 1 million copies per day, which my brain just can't even wrap its, itself around that number, 1 million. But including bundles and and all the Animal Crossing games in general, or for for the Switch, it was thirteen point four one million sold in the first six weeks. So they're doing well. <laughs> yeah, pe- pe- people are buying those turnips. That's for sure. Yeah, so. yeah, <laughs> they're spending those bells. Um, but I think that this just goes hand in hand with what you were saying, Mots. That this is definitely going to impact the next fiscal year like we're gonna see like a huge spike in the beginning just even from animal crossing 
Yeah, yeah I think so. It, that means that one in every four, five, every one in more than every one in five, almost every one in every four persons has Animal Crossing. That's amazing. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. good. Yeah, that's that's really good. <laughs> that's, that's I think if they good. do some, that's, they do some more bundles. Oh, I man. think that spike could happen again, even for the holidays. You know, if because obviously the stock kind of ran out, things kind of drying out. So if we get more bundles or we get actual DLC for Animal Crossing, you're going to see this for quite a while. Yeah, this they, is this is huge for them. They need to. I mean, it's too soon, but at some point they need to do some sort of Animal Crossing DLC to give them money. Because they would make so much money. Just imagine they had DLC for five dollars, and like, here's the, I don't know, something. You get you get a little for for ten for twenty four dollars because you know Nintendo will be like, oh, it's a two season pack, twenty four dollars or pre order, and like, and you get a mini island that you can swim to. Oh, I want a mini island. I'm in. Or you know, they just like give <laughs> you stupid stupid stuff, and yeah. people would just pour money into it. It's amazing. And oh, you yeah. know, Heather and I were talking on our walk yesterday and we we're like, Oh, she's like, how many of those animal crossings have you ever played? And I said, well, I played the, the GameCube version and I purchased a lot of the other ones, but I never really played any in depth besides the, the GameCube version. And mm-hmm. um, we were talking about how she's really not a gamer. And she's like, yeah, if it wasn't for the situation we're in, she's like, I don't think I would play. And then we were talking about what if we were back at work, you know, full time and not just from home, like, what would that look like? And she's like, I bet I would play it not like not as much like just a little bit because i wouldn't wake yeah. up check my turnip prices i wouldn't you know do the things on my island you know i'd have to be getting ready for work i'd be spending so much time on you know xyz um mm-hmm. so i'm like yeah, i think you're right because i would normally hop on a bus head over to redmond and then come you know back it's like two hours and i guess i could check on the on the bus but sometimes i get sick if i try to play games and and do stuff on the bus at the same time so yeah you wouldn't have the the long chunks of time to devote to something like that like you do right now yeah like when i'm when i have lunch and i'm like okay i ate lunch i guess i'll spend the extra 30 minutes of my lunch playing animal crossing that's what i do where normally if i'm at work i'm like okay i gotta go i gotta go stand in mm-hmm. line i gotta go do, do pay ten dollars for the salad and then i gotta go eat the salad come back over here and then i go back to my desk and then yeah it's 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 the perfect game at the perfect time right yeah. i mean this is this is something that it, it came out when people are forced to be home they not a lot of there's too much too much time on their hands and this game is there for that. It, it's a great distraction from what's going on in the world. So I do think those things came together to to make these numbers what they are. I would assume that it would still be immensely popular. But I think, like you said, with Heather, there's going to be people that would be less likely to play it. Um, maybe I, I don't. I don't want to say a third. Maybe. I don't know what, like an eighth of the population that's playing Animal Crossing probably wouldn't have been playing it had mm-hmm. they been just going about their daily life. I would say it's probably a decent number, but all of that aside, the sales for Animal Crossing, we knew going into it, it was a huge, huge success anyway. So it would be really interesting to see how this can continue when everybody kind of gets back on their feet, gets going back to work and all of that. I'll, I'll be interested to see what they... uh how how the numbers for Animal Crossing stay. I bet you that more people, we've talked about this before off the podcast, but probably more people end up continue working from home. <laughs> and it reminded me a, a text that our friend Becca, she's a friend of the podcast, um, sent to me and Michael the other day saying that in between meetings, she's been checking Animal Crossing and it's so much better for her mental health than checking <laughs> Twitter. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's just it applies so well to what we're talking about right now because I, I, yeah, you don't want to see what's happening in the world right now when you can just hop in Animal Crossing and water your flowers. Sure. So now, Matt, you mentioned DLC for Animal Crossing. Well, that's not looking likely for 2020. So along with the fiscal year reports, they also do presentations for their investors. And in that presentation, they'll include games that are in the pipeline for the next fiscal year so they can kind of know, you know, what the investor's money is going into. So this year, unfortunately, there were quite a few large games that we were all excited for that were not mentioned. And that includes Breath of the Wild 2, which was originally rumored for 2020, but it doesn't seem likely anymore. The Xenoblade Definitive Edition, DLC for Animal Crossing New Horizons, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, and Pokemon Sword and Shield was not included. Also, they didn't mention anything about Bayonetta 3 or Metro Prime 4. So not not looking good that that those will be coming out in 2020. Now, it it is possible that Nintendo didn't want to spoil a big announcement, so they just didn't put it in the presentation. But considering it's for investors to show them, you know, this is what we're going to be doing this year to be excited. You know, your investment's going into something great. Um, yeah, I, it seems unlikely that they wouldn't include something like that. So it's OK. I mean, I also saw another report of how obviously COVID will impact just game development all up. And Mm -hmm. uh, that will definitely take some time to sort of recoup and bounce back from. So, I mean, you can't imagine that everyone's working at 100%. And even if people are working at 100%, there's people's lives. You know, there's people with families, there's mental health, Mm -hmm. like you're saying. So there's a lot of different impact there, I would say. Um, Yeah, it's it's totally likely that with with COVID, people just aren't able to make those original deadlines. So things got pushed. But yeah. Mm. yeah <laughs> but maybe they Tough could year do for nintendo i think yeah yeah they could do smaller dlc i wouldn't just give me bite-sized dlc for stuff mm. now it, we could be getting like the events we've been getting maybe those will include like islands we can go to and stuff like that maybe it's just not dlc we can purchase and that's why they didn't include it who knows uh, but yeah nothing on on the radar that we're going to be buying from them at least <laughs> yeah i guess with animal crossing they always are making content like i, I can't imagine mm-hmm. that they're that they're, well, I don't know. I guess if people time hop to different events, like what if those events aren't in the game yet? You know, like Christmas or something or right. Halloween. Well, there's always a big update beforehand. So yeah. that, that makes sense that that update would include the event and I'll just stick with it. That's the crazy part about Animal Crossing, right? Is like in the past games, mm-hmm. like every version, there hasn't been updates. Like this is the first game where the updates and the events are sort of happening as the game progresses, where like in the GameCube version, a whole year was programmed in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it all had to be there. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. I don't know, just fascinating. yeah. This one, and I and I think they made a point for of that where um, time travelers can't ruin the events for people. They can't get them twice. They can't because it's it's literally an update that gives you that event. So they're not saying they don't know for sure if the event that we like bunny day is that going to be the same bunny day every year from here on out. But in theory, that wasn't in there anyway. So if you jump to bunny day. It's not going on in the game. It has to be updated to get mm. it. So time travelers yeah. can't get those kinds of things ahead of people. At least that's what I'm understanding. But I wonder if from when it gets put into the game, can you jump the next year and have it be there? Or if it's just you know a one and done and then next year, Bunny Day is no longer there. Yeah. And then at some point they would have to not 
update it and they would just be like, okay, this is the sequence. Cause you know, if the, let's say they have to update it every single year for the next yeah. five years with new content. I mean, it's like what Fortnite does, right? I guess if people are playing it, but then they have to create some revenue streams somehow. They can't keep doing it for free. Exactly. Yeah. There's gotta be something that's bringing in more yeah. money, which I'm fine with. If they want to keep supporting the game from here on out and we keep getting, events and new clothes and new whatever for our islands I, I mean i would gladly pay to have this ongoing experience you know you've got you bought the game maybe that's the first year and everything that was already planned it comes out and that's part of sort of that year bundle right that's what we yeah. bought and then moving forward beyond that maybe it is like you said some sort of uh, seasonal thing or there is some sort of dlc content i personally am I'm totally okay with that because you already have the core game and they can say, you know, you just may not get other side stuff that you don't have to buy it, but it, it just adds to it if you want to continue supporting it because they, they can't do it always for free. It just, that's mm -hmm. not even realistic to ask. Yeah. In other news, uh, the really interesting article coming out of uh, South Korea. So uh, this happened, I think last week around May 1st or so. Um, is obviously we know the Nintendo Switch is in short supply. And of course, people around the globe are stuck inside, so it's hard for them to get out. And combine those two things, there's not a lot of Switches. People can't get out. And now that they can slowly trickle get out, and there may be some Switches, there have been ridiculous lines to try to get Nintendo Switches. In fact, over a 1,000 people lined up in Suwon, um, which is part of the Gengaji province, province, sorry, um, I'm sure I said that not correct at all, but I think I did okay, <laughs> um, this, which is crazy. Now, there were only 300 lottery tickets and only 45 Nintendo Switch consoles. So 1,000 people signed up, lined up to get 300 lottery tickets to get maybe a chance to get 45 Nintendo Switch. This is bringing me back to my old Wii days where when I, I used to work at GameStop when the, when the, Wii, came, when the Wii came out and um, just kind of crazy, just... Um, people line up and like I would, you know, camp out and all this stuff. So hopefully Nintendo can start pushing out some consoles. Um, that would be really great, but kind of, kind of bananas. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I, I kind of miss lining up in, in the excitement of events like that, where, yeah. you know, people are doing it, but now's not really the time to have a thousand people lined up crammed together. You know, I, I'm kind of surprised that they have that happen, but in general, it, it is kind of exciting to see that demand right there in front of you. You can actually see people excited to get their hands on something because without needing to have midnight releases, without, you know, any of that stuff anymore, now you can just buy it online, have it shipped to the store, you go, you pick it up, whatever. There's, there's no lines. There's it kind of I miss some of that. I miss those midnight releases and the way you can kind of go and talk to people that are getting it. So in one hand, it's interesting to see and kind of kind of cool that these people are all there excited on the other right now with COVID-19 and everything that's happening. Not sure this was the greatest idea, but uh, hopefully Nintendo can can put more out there. There's obviously a demand for it. Now, something that else is terrible is friends codes. <laughs> Nobody likes them. And no. <laughs> last week we got the Wii leak that we talked about and all the source material, design file, all that kind of stuff that we talked about. Well, they also found that there was Nintendo had a presentation and they were discussing the idea of having chosen screen names, you know, just like you would on Xbox or PlayStation, anything like that, where you put your own screen name and that's what you go with. Well, Nintendo decided that that wasn't going to work for them 
because they believed screen names were it would make it would be frustrating for people because they could maybe go on and say, I want Tom Wolf and Tom Wolf was already taken. So that ruins my experience. And so we're just going to do friend codes because you don't want to ruin somebody's experience. They also said that it would be possible for strangers to guess screen names uh, where this way now you, you have a friend code. It's more comfortable. You don't have to worry about people finding out your, your code. Uh, after the Wii, the Wii U allowed screen names. So they had this for the Wii where they were going to do friend codes because it was more comfortable and less frustrating. Then they did Wii U. You could go screen names. That's cool. Now we're back to friend codes. I don't think anybody wants friend codes. I honestly think this is just, this is crap. Like everybody else uses names online. Like your friend code thing is ridiculous. It's not comfortable. It's not frustrate like give me a break it's nobody wants friend codes i think it's a universal thing where everybody kind of hates the idea because nobody can remember a friend code even the people that have their own friend code can't remember their friend code so it just adds an extra step and in my opinion that is frustrating that's the frustrating Mm -hmm. part because i don't know what i'm supposed to tell people when they want to be my friend on switch oh you know what you can tell them michael you can tell them to go get island tracker for your ios or android device Because somebody also recommended, I think it might have been you, that you could add your Nintendo Switch friend code with end-to-end encryption. So not even I can see your friend code unless you're my friend and I can actually see yours. Uh, No, you haven't updated yours yet because I added the end-to-end encryption later. But it's there. So that's kind of a cool feature, too, of the application. But I agree. Here's the thing is I'm all in on friend codes now. Um, I know that you hate them and I've hated them in the past. But now I'm all in. I think they're great um, because... People will know my my username or could search for me, um, but friends codes you can't actually. So it's fantastic; they're the best. I don't know. I'm I'm all in on them now. Actually, no, I'm not all in on them. I think they're weird, and I like that the justification was that the problem with the username is that if I type in Tom Wolf as my username, and they're like, "Oh, sorry that 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 username is taken," mm-hmm. then you're like, "Oh crap, I can't get that username." You know, and then also I could send a friend request to Tom Wolf because now I know that someone has that username, you know, (laughs) um, where the one thing I do like about the switch and that I think is enabled by the friends code they could have done it a different way is that they said you can make your name anything that's displayed to your friends and then your friends code is your thing. The thing that has gotten me less upset about friends codes is that you can link it to Twitter or to you know Facebook or, or the other social platforms and you can see people that you follow and, and you can add people that way. I think that's nifty. Um, I still think that they're a problem from discoverability is like it takes a while to remember or enter your friend code because yeah, if you don't know it or you don't have it in Island Tracker, the application for iOS and Android, then um, you're not going to remember it. So um, that is a problem, yeah. but it's not the yeah. worst. I, I, I do think it is the worst. I think it's terrible because for one, I don't have Facebook anymore, so I can't have friends on there. That That's removes your, your, they make the assumption you are on other platforms and that, that's how you're going to have discoverability. And I think that's the ridiculous part. So if I'm not no longer on Facebook and I've connected it to Twitter and nobody ever shows up. Because no, either other people don't connect it on theirs, mm. or they're just—it's just not working. I, I honestly don't know why nobody shows up. Because I have friends that I know have a switch, and I have had to message them and say, "Hey, I need your friend code 
because, you know, I want to be able to play together and I know they're on Twitter. So either they are not making that connection. They don't understand that you can link the two accounts Mm. or it's just not working. It's not like registering or syncing up or something's not happening in the background. Mm. I think that as far as the discoverability and the possibility of strangers guessing screen names, I can go on there and see who I've recently played with. And I can tell you more than half, I've never seen those people. So how is it any different for Nintendo to say it's more or less comfortable? I could be making friends with people I've never, ever, ever talked to. So it removes that whole point of the strangers guess. Yeah, they don't need to guess it. You know why? Because it shows them who I am because it shows them who I recently played with. Like. It, you because you had mentioned it and i didn't even know that was a, a feature until you had said oh send heather a friend request i said oh i don't have a friend code oh yeah but just go on and see who she's recently played with yeah and i was like oh my god so now i have this whole list of people which were on Fortnite or whatever and it's like well that kind of defeats the purpose of this whole keeping strangers from guessing your screen name when you're just giving it to them instead you yeah. know so I, I think the issue is it's fine if you have friend codes and they want to have that level of security in some way, but there needs to be a better way to have discoverability, not making the assumption you're on another social platform and making the links that way, you know, make it so it's maybe email, email related or something. I don't know, contacts, something Email would else. make sense to me. That's yeah, what I was thinking. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. Something else for me to be able to go on and say, hey, you've got four people that play Switch. Would you like mm-hmm. to, you know, be friends with them on here or something? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I guess it really doesn't matter for Nintendo because there's nothing else for the, the sort of that social aspect. There's no... You're, you're not really doing anything with these friends. You know what I mean? Xbox has a great network where Nintendo's is kind of lackluster. So maybe they just say, well, what do we care? You can't do anything with your friends anyway. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> I think it's funny that you can see like, when you play Fortnite today, if I was to go, I think Marby Z and, and a few people from the Discord were were on your island, Rustica, and mm-hmm. um, I can now I can go see all the games that they played, right? And for how long? Yeah, which is <laughs> like, like oh, like, okay, like, that's, that's real that's, comfortable. Yeah, yeah, like that's all right. Um, but yeah, yeah. that's also pretty pretty funny, just in in general. So yeah, yeah I I think the idea of what they're trying to do is is fine, but it's not working. There's clearly issues with it you know the fun part about the switch code um fiasco is that's literally how i implemented the friend system in animal island tracker because mm-hmm. i was like well if you're already used to it on your switch you should be used to it on the, yeah on sure the, so everyone <laughs> except for the the your friend code is extremely long it's it's like you know 20 digits the, the difference is that i can just you know in i think they could improve it right where if I can send somebody a friend request easily, like how it works in the app is you click a button that says send and then you 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 text a link to somebody and they open that link and they send you a friend request. Like very seamless, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, whereas with the Switch, like you have to enter it manually. It's a whole process. Like I can't go online to Nintendo.com and enter your friend code. And that would be a mm, lot easier yeah. than me that having to find do an XYZ or... even through or the Nintendo or even like app. the online app. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that would be great because like my... Because here is the problem, is I gave my my brother-in-law my friend code, and he sent me a friend request, and it just came up as BP. Like, that was his username, because his name's Brian, yeah. and his last name starts with a P. And I was I don't know who this is, because he did it like a week later. It took him a week to figure out how to do it. 
Sure. And had I sent him a link when he could just open it and then open it on Nintendo.com or the application, then bingo, bango. But that's the problem with the friend code system is that that like I don't mind the digits. It just has to be really easy to add people. Because imagine yeah. if people in our in our Discord were just like, "Oh, here's my link. Here's a link, and open the link, and then just add, send me a friend request." Like that's not too bad. That's the that's me sending you my Facebook profile and you clicking, you know, request friend. It's the same thing. You sort mm-hmm. of need that little online digital profile sh- shenanigans. Um, well. I love the idea too. Like you said, why not use the Nintendo app? Because then it could be linked mm-hmm. to my contacts and anybody that's linking it on their smartphone can say, oh, there's, I got 40 people that have a Switch account and I yeah. didn't know any of them. And uh, I could just go through and be like, boom, 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 and link them all. Yeah. That's yeah. what Christina said. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. That'd be yeah. perfect. Yeah. Smart. Christina, you're smart. Go work for Nintendo. <laughs> No. Well, uh, <laughs> no. Wow. Okay. I was trying. I was trying to think hard pass on that. Wow. Hard pass. Well, okay. So here's the thing that I've noticed with a lot of Nintendo stuff is they always seem to overthink things and prioritize the wrong thing. Like for in this case, they overthought it. They prioritized people not being frustrated and, and their comfortable principle. And that's why they ended up where they are. Where it, they almost don't weigh out what would be more frustrating to people, learning a whole new system or using what you know is an industry standard for a modern way of networking through gaming. Hmm. And it, I don't know if I'd want to work someplace like that. Just just throw that out there. Well, you might not work for that team specifically, but geez. Oh, still. Oh, shout <laughs> but outs. I feel like almost, almost everything that Nintendo has done has been like this. Look at their online experience. It's like they overthink really strange items or really strange things and totally miss other opportunities that are available. I just, yeah. That's why, that's why <laughs> I love them. Just my general overall rant, I, in, I guess. In a world of all the social networks, the Nintendo Switch is the anti-social network and I love they it. They are. So they're <laughs> anti-social. So. It's, it's anti, but also you can see everybody at the same time. So it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't find your friends. That's true. That's all. You can find everybody else, but you can't find your friends. But I don't have any friends. Yeah, you, so I guess it's okay. You pay, you pay, <laughs> <laughs> you pay for Switch Online so you can play games with friends, but you can't actually find your friends through Switch Online. Exactly. <laughs> oh, nailed I, it. So, so what Nintendo's <laughs> doing is they're trying to make new friends. See, that's the thing. It's uh, it goes back to that wholesome company. They're not trying to have you play with friends you already know. They're trying to make it so you can make new friends. Mm, Aw, mm, Nintendo. That's that cute. all makes sense now. That makes sense. Let's move on to. Top 10 bestsellers of the week. First place, Animal Crossing. No surprise. Second, Streets of Rage 2, which is new. Uh, Third is Minecraft. Fourth, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Fifth, Splatoon 2. It's 30% off right now. I need to get that. Sixth is Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Seventh, Breath of the Wild. Eight is Defunct, which is 98% off. And one of you played that, right? Nope. I I will be because I bought it, but I haven't played it yet. Oh, okay. I feel like we've talked about it before, like it was in our uh, new releases and somebody marked it or something, but we've definitely m- talked about it at one point in time. Uh, ninth is Ding Dong. <laughs> Tenth, Overcooked 2, which had a sale last week. <laughs> and now we talked about this last week. We were surprised it wasn't in the top 10 anywhere or even in the top 30. This week it is in the top 30 and the 22nd place is moving out. Nice. It's there. It made it. Yep. It what did it. it? We should have a Splatoon night with, and we can hop in the Discord, and we can we can fill. We need four people. You only need four people, and and mm-hmm. oh, and um, because a team is four people in the game, yeah, four v four. Okay, four v four. I mean, it's here's the best part about the 
Splatoon, because, you know, normal shooters, you know, people are always like gunning for you and doing this stuff. The thing about Splatoon is it's really not about uh, obliterating your opponent. It's about cover. It's about inking the landscape. So when you play online, your goal of Splatoon, if, if no one's ever played it, if you haven't played it, Christina, the whole goal is to cover the map with as much ink from your team as possible. Now that does involve like, you know, firing and you know, different, different weapons at different people, but your goal isn't to, it's not even killing. It's like blowing up, like basically the other mm-hmm. person, yeah. you don't, you don't get points for that. You know, this it's, it's a side effect of you're trying to put as much ink down in an area and that person's being a butthole. So you need to like take them out, you know, you know, roll them over with a squeegee. Um, so it's almost a hassle to attack the other players. It, well, it's, uh, it's both a hassle and fun at the same time. Um, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> it, but it's, and you can zip around the map. So sometimes it's about avoiding and getting to another side of the map where you, you want to cover up the, the opponent's ink color. So it's quite fun. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Christina, did you get the demo? I downloaded it and I was ready to play it. And on the seventh, I was about to open it up and realized that the free to play ended on the sixth. Nice, perfect. Yep, nailed it. Yep, it always happens. It's it's like just what happens with me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm that lucky. <laughs> well, that's that's unfortunate, but at least it's on sale. So you know, if yeah, you do, I might uh, just get it anyway because you guys, yeah, you guys sing that it's praises. So. And I feel like yeah, it would a be one. a fun game for us to play together. So I'll play I, it. I could probably pick I'll it play it. I yeah. mean, I'll, I'll actually play it. Anyways, here are the new releases for the week. Let's move on from the shenanigans. I picked all the games this week. Um, first off, on the uh, May 12th, two games are coming out that I'm really excited for. Jet Lancer. This game looks bananas fun. And this is a aerial combat twin six shooter just zipping around super fast. It's It's looks bananas fun there's like 30 missions in the story mode um it's just a single player like arcade style it's got this cool you know 16 32 bit style but it, like it's a super high paced um side scroller but it's not just your side scrolling from left to right or up down you can move in you know 360 or 180 or 360 like you know motion basically and then there's some levels that are on the z axis which is really cool this game games up my up my alley um looks really cool i like the style of it um you know twin six shooter i'm into it um then and the other one which is from our good friends over at 3d realms the creators of duke nukem i don't know if you ever heard of that game Duke Nukem. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I used to watch my dad play that game. A little Duke Nukem. If you like Duke Nukem, basically yeah. this is Duke Nukem with a a a, a BA a female lead, and I like that. Um, Ion Fury. <laughs> um, it literally says it's a true old school first person shooter from legendary creators uh, 3D Realm, um, which is true. When you watch the trailer, you're like this is Duke Nukem slash Doom style, you know, style, but it has pretty cool graphics. Um, it looks really cool um it's it's um uh it's it's, i think it's built on the original engine that they they um that they built us as experienced the original build engine on steroids pumped up and ready to rock again after 20 years so they went into their archive and like let's find this 20 year old first person shooter engine that we made for duke nukem let's make a new game from it you know what i mean (laughs) um it looks really fun i I know it's 25 dollars, which is a bit high for me um uh, but it does look cool and it's a new release on all the different you know platforms it's just a single player fps um 
I, I don't know. It looks, I'm into it. I'm into it. On May 13th, there's, it's not really a game. It's more of an interactive movie. It's even in the title, interactive movie. It's called She Sees Red. It's $9 on sale, uh, originally $10. And it's similar to, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Black Mirror's Bandersnatch. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's a non-linear narrative. It has four possible different endings. And essentially, someone killed a bunch of people in a nightclub, and there's a detective put on the case trying to figure everything out. Uh, It's originally in Russian, and this is the only thing that's kind of thrown me off about it. It's dubbed in English, so you can switch between English and Russian. And the trailer is in English, the dubbed version. But there's an option where you can switch to the original Russian version with English subtitles, which I would personally do. But yeah, it's it's just a cool interactive thriller movie. I was watching the I was watching the trailer and I was like, something seems off here, and that's what it is. Now <laughs> yeah. we know. I would, I would yeah. I would leave the Russian subtitles. It's always better to watch just with subtitles and whatever the original language yeah. was because it's way my more concern. Intense. My concern with subtitles is I know at least in Bandersnatch you have a very limited time to select something or to select your whatever you want to do next. And if I'm like trying to read something and then I have to select, I'm worried that it would inter- it would cause issues with that. I'm hoping that they designed it so that wouldn't end up interfering with it. But yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, it is available on iOS and Android for three dollars and the Windows Store for eight dollars. And I don't know if there's any differences there. They do. It does have mm-hmm. pretty decent reviews, though. So that's pretty fascinating um, in general. So. I don't know. I'm I'm always curious, like pick up one of these because we've had a few of them just like to see how it actually is. But I, I think the problem is, is once you play it, you're kind of I mean, there's four possible endings. But like, do you want to sit through another 30 minute movie just to get a different ending? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't yeah. play Banner Snatch a million times to get all the different endings. I heard about them, but I didn't yeah. do all of them. Yeah, I did a few. I kept dying. So mm. I guess that was the cool <laughs> thing about Bandersnatch is that you kind of died and then you sort of went a different route. So you kind of went back in time. But I, I kind of was annoyed a, a while after that anyway. So, uh. mm. all right. Anyways, one I'm going to pick up for Heather and then she'll get real mad that I put it on her Switch is Zenge. <laughs> this is a dollar to $2 game. It's a it's like a cool, relaxing puzzle game. But unlike uh, puzzles, you know, if you make puzzle pieces, the cool part about this is like the puzzle pieces are on tracks and you can only move them in certain directions to uh, finish the the painting. Um, the trailer looked pretty cool for like a dollar. I'm sure it's like free on mobile or something, but it looks cool. I don't know. Yeah. It's, seems like it's a big Another. game. 1.2 gigs. But I like that the developer. Yeah. The developer's name yeah. is Hamster on Coke. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know it's going to be good. Yeah. Quality. <laughs> quality. Yeah. So I also marked carnage battle arena it's something a little different it's a little high priced for what i want of this game it's 15 dollars right now but i gave it a check because i really like the mechanics of it it's a car combat game it kind of seems similar to rocket league in a way the you know the the camera and, and the way the cars are handled is very similar but it's a combat game with a bunch of cars destructible environments bunch of maps realistic physics and it has this blocky minecraft look to it so what would happen is you're driving around and you're hitting the environment you're hitting each other and parts of your car are kind of coming apart it's the like pixels are being knocked off of it and i thought that was really fun i could see that being really cool if we were playing and we're battling each other and you're hitting each other's cars and chunks are flying off left and right and you're like oh i'm almost done i i have nothing left 
Hearts. I really liked that aspect. I think that could be a blast. So I had to give it a check. I'm going to keep an eye on it. Maybe it'll drop down to a price. I think under 10 would make it a little bit more stomachable for me. I I, I think 15 seems a little high, but uh, it was worth mentioning because I think it's something we haven't really seen too much, this arena, this type of game. Yeah, this game reminded me of growing up and building things with Lego and then smashing them. Yeah, Yeah, Uh, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. The only problem I have with this game is that there's no online play. And this game, yeah, that's a bummer. It needs Mm. online play because I believe for 10 bucks, I would probably pick it up with you and then smash it up online so smash it up and it's and it's it's funny because it has multiple game modes it has the battle arena as racing as survival so they definitely need it to come out with an online to to support those things because couch co-op i'm sure it would be fun but this could be really cool when you can play with friends that aren't you know right there with you yeah yeah uh all right well i got one more Two more, but actually I, i messed up the release dates so iron fury comes out on the 14th and the game that comes out on the 12th that I should have talked about is Hunt Down, which is also another game which I'm pretty excited for. It comes out on all major consoles, and I do believe that this has two-player online. No, just two up, two-player couch co Why can't these games be online? Bro Force, man, <laughs> Bro Force. Anyways, this game looks awesome. It's set in a post-apocalyptic cyberpunk future, and who doesn't love that? It's a side-scroller, run-and-gun, just nonstop. You can play solo or co-op locally. A 16-bit you know, style um there's a bunch of baddies that are just ridiculous it's over the top it's 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 uh it's it's crazy but it's a cool world looking world and that's what sort of sells me on it is it has that typical sort of you know arcade running gun you know even on their website it's like do you want to you you know you don't want to you know basically be in the arcade playing you know side by side um it looks really fun you play these like different um different heroes and it's kind of like neon graffiti it's it's a 80s inspired cityscapes they say but in a post-apocalyptic future world it, it kind of reminds me of um blade runner that's what it reminds me of in a blade runner world um anyways it looks super fun and and i i like side scroller things that you can shoot and do things and that's what i like so nice. i'm into it <laughs> i don't know i'm into it i don't know it's cool i mean they even say you know it's it's 60 frames per second you know it's it's super optimized um and it could it could be a lot of fun so if you're into these types of games which remind me of my childhood in the um bowling alley not bowling but playing side scroller beat em ups and shoot em ups and then that's that's my life the next game we have is cola for 15 dollars. i thought this one looked really interesting because it's good for Halloween. And I like these environmental type games. This one is an exploration adventure game with elements of horror. But what really got me on this one was that it's based around true events known as the Dyatlov Pass incident. Maybe that's right. And basically what that is, it's a mysterious death of nine Russian hikers. Nobody knows where they went, what happened, and all kinds of theories and and hypotheses went out about what what happened to these hikers. And this game kind of takes that role to help figure it out. So I thought that sounded really exciting. I think that's kind of cool. And I like that it's based around, I'm sure it's loosely based around, but I like that it's based around a true event, which is kind of exciting. We don't get a lot of that in video games. And so, yeah, I figured I'd check this. It's $15, again, a little high because it's only like four to six hours of gameplay. But for Halloween time, if this goes on sale, I this could be a really cool one. 
Yeah, when I originally saw this one on the list, I I thought it was interesting. I liked the idea of it. I liked that it was based on a sort of true story and it, I, the price was kind of what held me back. And the style of it doesn't look super refined. I would expect something like this to look a little bit better for fifteen dollars. Yeah, a little rough. Little rough. Yeah, but- yeah. If it was if it was ten, I would definitely get it though. Oh, the other game I put on here uh, that I just I have a check mark on, which is Oddworld Munch's Odyssey, because it's Oddworld. Uh, I think it's cool. It's an original Xbox game, man. I think it's cool that it made its way to the Switch. So that's all I got to say about that. So the next one is Cooking Simulator. So I'm sure people have heard of Surgeon Simulator. Cooking Simulator is essentially the same thing. You have a professional kitchen. You can cook dishes and get scored on them because uh, you have like different challenges. Or if you want to, you can totally burn the place down. It has very positive or mostly positive reviews on Steam. Uh, now, it is available on Steam for the same price. It is $20 right now. It's on sale for 18 But it's it's Windows only on Steam. Um, now, also on Steam, also it has DLC bundles with it. It has like a Food Network bundle with it, um, which I thought was pretty cool. So I'm wondering if they will eventually come out with those on the Switch. Not Not sure, but... I thought it looked cool. I like cooking in real life, so cooking simulators seem kind of fun. I do think that even $18 is a little high <laughs> just because of the kind of game it is. I feel like 10 to $15 would be a little bit better, but I I don't know. I thought it looked cool. I've seen people play it before, and it just looks like a lot of fun. I like it. I knew that you were going to check this as soon as I saw it on the list. I don't know why. I oh, really? It, but I, <laughs> I, I knew it. Yeah. Pretty, I mean, pretty cool. You got to cook those. Mm-hmm. You got to cook. I mean, I actually cooked this morning. I made a quiche. And so I, I did it in real life. But sometimes you don't have a professional kitchen at your disposal. Yeah. And, and you yeah. need to cook it up. Uh, <laughs> all right. Two more. We got a lot of games this week. I checked a lot of things. I got real excited. The next one is Hatsun Miko Project Diva Mega Mix. What a great name for a game. Um, this is a game from Sega. Sega. Uh, it's a very big game. It's been out for a long, long time, but it's uh, it's a it's a music based rhythm game. Um, it has over a hundred songs, like all the games all combined. Very J poppy, all the things. Press some buttons. I'm about it. Not for forty dollars, but I will put it on my watch list. And when it drops down, I'll pick it up. Um, and the other one I'm really excited for. I don't know how you two did not do this, but I'm going to try to convince you. Um, this may not be for Christian, but maybe for Michael. We'll see. Is the Eternal Castle remastered? Uh, this game is a remaster of a game that was never released or may never have been real at all. Nobody knows. Um, <laughs> they say it's a remaster of the game from 1987, The Eternal Castle. But spoiler alert, there was no game ever released called The Eternal Castle ever, ever. Um, That's which, pretty funny. That's which, good marketing. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it has a whole fabricated story. This is a side-scroller adventure um, game with shooting and stuff like that. It's in the sort of genre of the original Prince of Persia or another world. Um, super pixelated, harsh contrasting colors, like only a few colors on the screen at one time. And that's the thing. The game never existed. There was a, um, a forum post in 19 or 1996, 2006, 2016, that there was like uh, some files or some screenshot of the game called the eternal castle. But, no one knew they're like, Oh, we found this. Like, you know what? It was kind of weird. And then if you look like they, like there's this, there's this weird history. Like you have to like go down this rabbit hole of like archive.org. And then there's this other thing that like on the Prince of Persia community forums, like someone said something about it and then people made this game over it. So like <laughs> no one really knows. It's really crazy. Like on Polygon, I'll only, I'll, I'll put a link to in the show notes to this article too. 
Um, but it's, it's really crazy. They're like, you know, like, does it matter that there's a fictitious background for it? Like, well, anyone, you know, I want to buy it or whatever, but it's, it's coming out on all major consoles, uh, including the switch. Um, it looks super fun. This does look like a game up my alley. Um, and now that I've delved more into the background and the, uh, the history of it, I'm really into it. I, I'm, mm. I'm, I don't know. It's, it sounds Sounds silly. Actually, no, sorry. It's only coming to Switch and, and, and Steam. So I think it's already on Steam right now. Yes, it's been on Steam for a year. Yeah. I think the idea of having sort of this remastered and this lore about a game that never even existed to begin with is is a, is genius. I think that even if they the developers went into this thinking like, I'm kind of shocked this didn't happen before. I mean, that's that's a genius move to create almost a Blair Witch Project-esque history and, and like mixing reality with something and saying, no, no, this was a hidden game that we got lost in the, the, the in time. And, you know, and now we're going to put out a remastered version because it gets people talking about it. And there's this sort of weird, uh, you know, this this weird myth about it now where people are going to have to check it out because they don't know what to believe. They don't know if this actually existed, if it didn't yeah. exist, you know. I love that. I think that is genius. I'm, I'm, I really, really like that. I did watch the trailer for this, and I do think it's really interesting. I like the stark contrast in colors. I think that this game has a lot of vibrancy and a lot of life to it in such a minimalist, like two or three colors. Sometimes that's all there is on the screen, two or three colors. And I, I think that that's really kind of different. It reminded me of the one you played Ape Out. Where yeah. it's sort of this very drastic kind of, it almost looks like a pop culture Tron sort of, you know, using these colors to kind of emphasize action and, and all of that. And I liked it. Mm. And I, what I really want is the music that's in the trailer. I love, and I, and I, I want to see some gameplay because I don't know if they're selling me on it or if that's the vibe they really want this game to have. And if they incorporated sort of that Daft Punk electronic music into this sort of explosion of simple colors on the screen, I I think I'd be into it too. A 15 is again, a little, little, little pricey, but I do think it's very interesting. And I was right on the fence about whether or not I wanted to check this thing, but I need to see some gameplay because I, I, I want that music paired with these graphics because i think that would really push it over and make it something special with that it gets us to everybody's favorite segment in the show what you playing i guess i'll start off because it's nothing fantastic just more animal crossing (laughs) that's it (laughs) like i said i was gonna try to play splatoon but the the limited playtime kind of robbed me of that so that's all nice uh michael and i had an experience oh yeah tell me about it we Um, did so we, <laughs> you know, we know that like uh, a few weeks ago, I experienced by myself the Travis Scott Fortnite uh, ten minute show, which was spectacular. Mm-hmm. I raved, I raved about it. I raved in person, and I raved in the game uh, in, the in game. general. And I keep talking about it, and I, and that's my comparison. So Fortnite, what's it called? It's called Party Party Royale. Michael, is that what it's called? Yeah, I believe that's what they were calling this this event and they were they thought that it would be the digital party that everyone needs during these times and they were going to get together some dj artists like steve aoki and dead mouse and do a virtual Fortnite party and uh i I joined i I joined in michael sent me the link and i said okay i'll join in and i joined in and we raved we raved together michael Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it was okay. Uh, I like because what so what this was is if anybody's played Fortnite, play Battle Royale, you go to the island and you just battle it out. Well, in this case, you go to the party battle island and it's there's nothing to there's nothing no fighting going on but there is like weapons that they drop like uh that are meant to enhance the events so you get like a bow and arrow with a plunger on it that you can shoot at people and you can throw tomatoes and you can put down bouncy things so you can jump around do craziness and it's a and it's a totally different unique island so everything's kind of built around this party atmosphere which is that's cool it's amazing that they just build these things just for these random one-off events but I will say that as the event went on, so you had, you had, you got into it and then you're there for, you know, five, 10 minutes waiting for the event to start. So you're just kind of running around doing whatever. And they had some stuff to pass the time. And then the event starts and it's like three artists, which is great, but it, it's, it really started to drag on. I felt like I, I made it through the second and then I was kind of like, I'm kind of good. Like I got it. This is, I, I didn't even make it to the very end because I got the gist and the sound wasn't really working great for me. It got to a point where it was working great and you do your emotes and you're dancing in your game and you're doing your thing. And then something happened and I would do my dances and my emotes, but the music that played normally when you do your emotes Mm -hmm. came back. Yeah. So I couldn't even hear the music in the game anymore. And I could hear everybody else's like the sounds of the four wheelers driving around, which you couldn't Aww. before, before it was all music. Yep. Like that's what you heard. You were at a concert. It was the focus. And then somewhere halfway between the sound kind of something, something broke. Something messed and, up. Yeah. And you heard the sounds of everything else happening and you barely heard the music anymore. And I just was like, I texted him. I said, I'm good, man. I, I'm, I got the gist. Like this is kind of boring. It, it, it probably went on for a half an hour. If not more, that was forty five minutes. Forty five minutes. Forty five minutes. Yeah. That's a long time. <laughs> yeah, that is they, a long time. They um, I like the idea of it, and I think the execution was the issue. And because unlike other, the marshmallow or the the marshmallow was, you know, marshmallow's character, and like it was in this different area and whatnot, and that was cool, and that was shorter, right? It was like ten fifteen minutes. It was one artist, this, and but it was it was this one was a virtual screen projector right where you saw it was live I, maybe it was live I, it seemed live esque i guess it did seem live because but I'm, I'm not sure steve aoki's microphone didn't work for a while and you would imagine yeah. that if it was pre-recorded then they would have fixed that true um, so i think it was live it's hard to say but they had like a mc and stuff and you know i thought it was uh, cool that it happened, but I was sort of like you, which is like, okay, I do like EDM music and DJ sets, but I don't know if I need to sit here by myself for 45 minutes and, and watch this. That was my, my issue. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm just yeah. sitting here by myself in this room. I could be outside in the sun. And, um, <laughs> and I agree. I thought the sound was a big issue um, comparatively. And honestly, I, nothing will be, the Travis Scott experience because it was freaking awesome. Like more, because Heather was asking, she's like, well, why wasn't it good? I was like, well, what I liked about, what I liked about the Travis Scott experience is it was an experience. Like he was ginormous Mm -hmm. and you're shooting up in the sky and you're down. Even if you don't like his music being in the game at that time, I just had a smile on my face. I was like, this is so 
cool. It'd, it'd be like almost like an interactive movie, right? It's like an interactive experience. Like it's just my characters doing all sorts of crazy stuff and like, mm. so much things. And it was a 10 minute set. And that was like, perfect. I always thought it could be a little bit longer, but I thought it was so cool. And yeah, I got to like dead mouse and I was like, okay, like, all right, cool. It's, it's, it's a more of the same, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, if this was different artists, imagine they got, I don't know. I don't know what artists there are today. Like, let's say you got like the weekend. You got the weekend, Billy Eilish. Okay, yeah, Billy Eilish would be good. Yeah, yeah. You you know, they do like two songs. Done. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And I think that was part of my problem too. Where in the past with Marshmallow, it it was kind of similar to the very first one they ever did. Mm -hmm. But the very first one they ever did was the very first one they ever did. That's what Mm -hmm. made it special. And it, you were still on the island. You could still run around. You could still do whatever you wanted to do. And it was only 10 minutes. Yeah. Like people play Fortnite to play Fortnite. These events are great, but you took 45 minutes of the game away from people to do something that was sort of lackluster and not that fun, ultimately. Yeah. And if you're not a fan of those artists or you just kind of got bored like I did, at first I was like, oh, this is really cool. I'm really getting into it. And then after half hour of kind of the same song over and over, you're just like, okay, yeah, I'm ready to I'm ready to leave this the show. You know what I mean? And you can't you couldn't do anything else. That was it. Yeah. Where I think the other experiences, the Star Wars one and the one you saw and the first one, they were concise and they were an experiment and in a, in a, in a, in a fun event that everybody got to share for a limited amount of time, 10 minutes, and you got to take it and just kind of, that was awesome. And then you were pumped to get back into the game and just go back to playing. This just dragged so much. And I don't think if they did it again, I would care to go back mm-hmm. i just i you know what you and i discussed after and i think what could have made this better is have it on the normal battle island have a normal battle have it but have screens that are all over the island so it's like you're battling to this awesome concert that's happening so you're still playing the game but it just happens to be under this umbrella of an event going on other than that it was sort of it was sort of lackluster, and and it's cool that these things exist, but I, it, it was way too long for me. Yep, agreed. Mm-hmm. A- aside from that, I have been playing, you know, Animal Crossing like everybody else, and more of my my Witcher three. So no, nothing new to report there, other than the the Fortnite event that we went to. Nice, yeah, I definitely will be picking up a few games this week and or playing a few different games for next week. That's my, that's my plan for the week. Um, nice. just in general, I am looking at my home screen and there's not a lot on there. I did pick up translation. It was free. It's like a, it's a music rhythm based game to help you learn new languages. I thought that was kind of oh. cool. It was free. Oh, I remember so. that one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I picked that up. Um, and I think Heather and I may try moving out demo together and kill ourselves in the process shake some heads (laughs) good luck so we'll see how that goes (laughs) yeah very nice we'll see you next week though all right cool thanks everyone for tuning in of course you go to nintendodispatch.com share this pod with all of your friends or hit us up on twitter at dispatch podcast or of course join us in our discord where you can you know visit our islands you know we probably need to do an island tour i think that was user requested um which would be pretty awesome yeah but yes get on there hop out hang out and um Buy and sell those turnips. Until next week, this has been your Nintendo Dispatch.